Quadratures are awesome and we need more of them. So maybe you would like to facilitate one. But how do you prepare for your first time facilitation? Hi, my name is Peter Kofler. I am the code cop. Obviously, I'm fanatic about clean code, and for many years I tried hard to develop quality software. Eventually, I had to change my motto to developing quality software developers. In this podcast, I will answer questions about facilitation, hosting, and participation of coded reads, or any kind of hands-on session in general. If you have any questions regarding your coded read, please send me an email or leave a comment. First, let's start with an overview question. When I talk about the coded read, I'm often asked what kind of people will be at the coded read. So, of course, mostly there will be developers, maybe some embedded developers, maybe the odd Haskell, Perl, or Go coder, a Scrum master, sometimes testers, or even product owners. Anyway, Whatever the role is, there are only great people. Because people who get up on a Saturday in the morning to learn and practice are exactly the people I like to be with. So the Codetreat are only made of of awesome people. It's a self-selecting crowd and I never had a weird or non-cooperative participant. Of course, it's different people. They have different backgrounds. They code different programming language, which is part of the fun. They are from different companies. They are uh, of different age. Uh, Nowadays, even they are from different generations. So this is so cool. Following the open space idea, the people who are here are the right people. And this is also true for the code treat. Usually, half of the people have already been to the code retreat and are aligned with the coding dojo mindset. See episode 10, so there are no problems, no worries. Now let's get back to the main question of today's episode. How do you prepare for your first time facilitation? Or a similar question that Ilke asked me, is it required to participate in a code read before facilitating your own one? I do recommend attending at least two code reads to have an idea about the format and the spirit and what's going on. I also think you should get to know the assignment of Game of Life, see episode 23rd, uh, if it is required to solve the Game of Life, because people will ask about the requirements. Maybe solve it once or twice, so you know what's going on. It's also best to stick with basic well-known constraints like ping pong, minimalist coder, baby steps and so on. See episode 30 for a list of basic constraints. If you want to go for more advanced constraints, I do recommend to try them out on your own before you do that, uh, at least once, maybe twice, to see what's the impact on the code what they actually do to the code, and what you could learn from it. It is okay to have the constraints prepared up front so that you prepare a list of constraints you want to use in the code read and you just go through of them. That's perfectly fine. I would even recommend that for your first few uh, code reads because it's too stressful to make up the constraints on the spot. If it is possible, get a pair facilitator. 
even if uh, he or she is also new to the code retreat because it's much easier if you're in pair like one facilitator could focus on on the schedule one facilitator could focus on uh, retrospectives see episodes three and six on benefits and modes of pair facilitation and in general i would advise you to follow my top three rules obviously the ideas are outlined in episodes 10, 13 and 15. Related to first-time facilitation is also the question how much we should help people during the session. Well, this is the wrong question because the definition of facilitation, see episode 30, explains why. Facilitation is not teaching and it's not helping. Of course, I help during the setup. Often people have problems with their setup. If I know the environment like Java or C Sharp, I can help with the setup. And generally, I recommend that one pair uh, should at least know the language. If they're both new to the tools and the language, you also can't help. So they have to figure something out. I avoid too much help, even if people insist on it, especially when we choose challenging constraints, and I say that I do not want to steal their learning. For example, for the no-if constraint, or cyclomatic complexity zero, people struggle with it, and then they ask me if it's possible or what would be a solution, and I would not tell them. So there is no point in helping them up to a point where they might get frustrated and then I ask open questions. So if you need or want to help, try asking open questions instead of telling. And there's no point in telling. And uh, this is a day of exploring, so people should find their own answers. So, and then I usually start with, what is the problem? So if they explain the problem, often already helps to figure out the solution. Okay, we shouldn't tell people what to do. But then how do we deal with, for example, two juniors who don't get anywhere? Like I said, I would help them with the setup, of course. If they have some trouble with the setup that I don't know, I would ask in the group, even during the session. Then if they are struggling on some specific problem, I would reduce the problem after discussing with them a bit. So maybe if they are struggling on no if, maybe they can do it with less if. Right? Still good, still stretching. And if they can't, if they are struggling with the basics, then drop the constraint. So they just should try to code it, try to solve it. Maybe that's hard enough. It's also fine if they're really getting nowhere to split this group and like stop their session and let them join other pairs in their preferred language. And eventually it's okay to waste a single session because we have five more of them, but then I would make sure that they change the pair for the next session, maybe join someone who knows more about the environment, who knows the preferred language, for example. And if you like, if you feel like teaching, and if there are more facilitators, you could join the pair as a moderator and navigator. But you really have to be sure that that's okay with the other facilitator. Once I was a facilitator and the other one decided to join a pair, I wasn't aware of it. I didn't know. I was extremely surprised. <laughs>
It's going really well today, so let's have another really quick question about switching pairs. On one of my facilitator trainings, I was asked if it is more important that participants change partners or their freedom. Well, I think they should change partners. It's part of the format, it's part of the learning. I usually tell people that it is like stealing from their learning. Well, I think I'm using that a lot for different situations. And they should try new partners for new perspectives. If they are concerned and they want to stay in their preferred language, for example, I would ask in the group if there is someone who would also be okay to pair in this language and who has some ideas and uh, some knowledge about the infrastructure. Eventually, you should break the pairs if needed, but then, well, you can't break the pairs, but I would just seriously recommend that they should switch partners. That is all for this episode. I'm Peter Kovler and I wish you luck with your next code retreat or hands-on workshop. If you have any questions regarding your code retreat, please send me an email or leave a comment. I'm looking forward to hear from you how your event went. Code retreats are awesome. Let's have more of them. <laughs>